Hello, everybody. How you doing? Today is Wednesday, April 1st. It's April Fool's Day. I'm Jesse. It's after the gig. Thanks for tuning in. You might have nothing else to do because you're stuck in quarantine. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Quickly, before, um, before we get started here, I just want to let everyone know that I'm going to be going live on Instagram and Facebook tonight. Instagram usually has better sound, but I'm going to try to do something different for Facebook. And uh, I'm doing a bundle giveaway. So if you tip any amount, any amount, could be a dollar, could be anything, uh, whatever, you are entered to be in this raffle to win a bunch of cool like swag and memorabilia. The Carbon Leaf Gathering album is in there, which there are no more physical copies. This is from my secret stash. And after the gig sticker, a signed pair of drumsticks. Uh, my old band Love in Stockholm, our last album, which is called Hold Back the Sun. Um, and a used backstage pass from Tour de 40 with Stephen Kellogg. Pretty cool stuff to add to the collection for you collectors out there. Um, so I'll be going live tonight at 8 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to be playing some songs. I have all the requests written down. There's a lot. Probably won't get to all of them today. But um, doesn't say we can't do it again sometime. Oh, and you have to enter by 7 p.m. tonight. I want to do the drawing during the live stream. So make sure you have your stuff in and you enter before 7 p.m. tonight. And you can enter via the virtual tip jar, Venmo at Jesse Humphrey and PayPal at paypal.me slash jhumphreymusic. But more importantly, make sure you rate, review, subscribe um, to the podcast. If you have any questions or anything you want to say to me, Anything you want to say to me? Just email afterthegigpod at gmail.com. All right, let's get to this episode. So today on the show, I have Stevie Aiello. Stevie is a songwriter, producer, multi-instrumentalist, as well as a musical director and the touring guitarist for 30 Seconds to Mars. Um, We are also joined by Dan Mills, who you all know very well by now, I hope. Um, We recorded this end of December, maybe early January, um, at Dan's house while Stevie was in town from LA to do the reunion show for the Monte R.I. reunion show in Providence. So it just all kind of came together. This was really, really great. I'm so glad that Stevie was able to, uh, to make this happen. And we were like super tired. It was super late when we did this, but, um, Everybody was troopers, and and we really got into some cool stuff. Um, talk a lot about Stevie's beginnings and work ethic, and also uh, the Monty R.I. days and how that um, kind of transitioned from when he moved uh, from New York to L.A. and recording and getting hooked up with Thirty Seconds to Mars and all that stuff. So. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation that we had. The music in the episode, we're going to start off with a Monty R.I. track called One in a Million to get us in there. And then at the end, um, there's a song that Stevie co-wrote on the most recent 30 Seconds to Mars album called Dangerous Night. And uh, it was produced by Zed and became the number one alternative song. Check it out. Stick around till the end. Stay for the end of the music. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with... 
Stevie Aiello and Mr. Dan Mills. All that music is not sustainable as far as playing. It's completely insane. I was looking at the BPMs today. That's a funny way of describing it. They're this, all so high. It's crazy. Well, even when you're saying like how high the 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 vocals were, was that just like normal for you back I, then? It's so fun. We didn't even think about it. We talked about this. We didn't even think about it. That's crazy. It was just like where. You know, uh, where it was sitting, where, where, where the I guess key was felt, sitting, you're like, all right, I guess I need to sing it. Here. Yeah, I guess wherever it felt comfortable, it was like the, such a strange... Thanks, man. It was also weird because I feel like we came from like the third wave ska thing, and it was like not... That wasn't high singing. I guess it was when the like emo thing came up. What is third wave ska? It's like... Real Big Fish, I guess, Lesson okay. Jake, Boston. Well, Boston's probably a little earlier. But you, the second and the third. <laughs> <laughs> they but were. Yeah. Was it? Scott Core, the Devil and More, I feel like is second second core. Yeah, they probably second wave. They probably ushered in the whole they were the they were the guys. This is hysterical. So how do you usually do you start this thing anyway? Started. Fuck yeah, dude. Look at this. We're in. What's up, beautiful people? Stevie Music. Oh, Stevie Music. Um, no, but you guys started like, you, it just however it came out, that, that's how it would go, even in, in the studio when you guys were recording and you were singing. Like, I remember watching videos because you would put out all those videos yeah. in the studio. Mm -hmm. And it would just, like, I remember how like high you were singing. And it was, yeah, it was, insane. It was insane. I was like, wow, I guess that's just how you do it. Yeah, that is not <laughs> like not is, you, but like I guess that's just how it's done. Yeah, when you're well, when you're young, right? You don't you don't know any other way. You just do, and so if it works one time, I guess you just keep doing it. You yeah. know, it's 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 really weird because I don't even know if we had like contemporaries that we saw that were like friends of ours or that we came up with that were doing that kind of thing. Maybe it just came. I, there was a time where I think I was just listening to too much like fantasy metal. Mm -hmm. And like Survivor and all the Rocky Four soundtrack and stuff. So I think it probably stemmed from all of that insanity. That would make the most What's sense. Your inspiration, Rocky Four. <laughs> Pretty well, much dude, Rocky One, Two, Three, and Four. It, it's it's crazy because for the for the first Monty R.I. album, there's a song on there called Only the Week, which is hilarious. If you the first to, time I heard that song, I was like. This is a Rocky song. It's straight up, dude. And I, and the reason why it was written is because we needed one more song for the record. And I went to the beach and ran on the beach while I listened to a, the Rocky Four soundtrack. And that's where the song kind of started. And uh, it's for it, the Russian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the best one. So it's like Burning Heart, which one is one four. of the songs on on Rocky Four soundtrack. There's uh, there's no easy way out, which is like a great song. So you know, what's the song during the montage when he's training in the snow? That's what there's I'm no thinking. easy way out. That's I think. It. Yeah, okay. that's an incredible Tell song. Me know. Yes, baby, better get that straight. Yes, because it's not it's not just like this pump pumped up song. There's actually some like emotion and soul behind it. Oh, there's it. a lot of emotion, and it's like 
Oh, I love that movie. I yeah, love that movie it's so fantastic. Much. But yeah, that that was like for for Monty R.I., which just for reference, this is my my former band that now we're doing a reunion show after 10 years, which is which is pretty fun. Um, that that was just the thing. That was the that was the whole thing. You just sing high. You sing high every song, and then you try to play faster. So that must come from like sort of the higher, faster, harder. Yeah, it's like the metal and punk. I think. Yeah. You know mantra it's just as fast and loud and high as you can do it well that's a thing between that was always a thing between musicians when we were younger in high school it's like oh how fast can you play that oh always dude <laughs> it's like oh faster oh he's faster than that one. Oh chops? my god he's always. got him. always it's always chops that's do you the... still try to push things as high as you can no because i remember when when we were young young and you would, I would have songs. Now, granted, I was singing low, low. Yeah. And you're always like, get that up there. Like we have those demos of like, and you were right on those. But I, I mean, I don't know if that was like. I don't remember. I don't know if it was a desire to have it. Like, uh, we're not gonna stop until the sunrise. Oh yeah. I probably yeah, yeah. came to you with that and showed you it as well. Like we're not gonna stop. Oh yeah, yeah. But also, I think you. But for you, in particular, like I feel like. You have a com- you had you had a comfortable range that and you didn't want to go past that. Oh sure. But I was also looking at it as not a song for you, so that's why I thought yeah. it should be in a higher range. You're, right. You're thinking you know? of it as the song for the song's sake, rather than who. Yeah, who, exactly. Who, 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 and it just it just felt like it was like, do you like would it be a Jack Johnson thing, which it totally could, but or could it be like more of a. I guess like the really poppy versions of like John Mayer or something. Mm. We can never figure out what that stuff is for. Jason Mraz? I don't. Yeah. Like I you know what so. I mean? Like a like a like a feel good summer. Like a crossover kind of groovy, but also poppy. We, yeah. We well, because his audience. his big songs they they're sung high and they're sung like yeah, kind of delicately I guess and like fun right. Yeah, so I'm yours is pretty high. Yeah, that song's incredible. <laughs> I love that song. I just do. Oh man. He did not win a Grammy that year. He lost to John Mayer for a win. I don't think he ever change. did. He ever win one? I don't know. He should have for that song. That's He's like one of the most talented people for sure. Well, and, he, and he is yours. <laughs> he is yours, and he's Mr. A to Z. It seemed like in that time period there was. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's the name of his record. Did you guys get that? And his last name is Mraz. It's genius. That is actually pretty. It's genius. really good. I feel like in that time period there was so many good singer songwriters. Oh my like, god. It must have been like, come on, if you're trying to win a Grammy or something. Oh, dude. Like, John Mayer, Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson, Nora Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, who else? It was just like kind of a killer's list of it was crazy of pop artists. But. Well, there, there were people that fell by the wayside during, not fell, I shouldn't say that. There were people during that time that were so good but never got, I think, as big as some of the John Mayers. Oh, yeah. There was this dude, I cannot remember his name. Is it? David, not David Gray. David Gray is David a, Gray. Yeah. Not David Gray though. Um, oh, it's gonna kill me. David I, Yellow. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find this really quick. Um, Are you thinking is? Uh, oh fuck, what's his name? Uh, I gotta find this. Okay, My David. Life is brilliant. David okay. Ford. Oh, Have no. you guys ever heard this dude? Exactly. Nope. nope no, I, no. I hardly, I hardly get like. Uh, I hardly respond to certain artists when I see them on TV because TV, it's so hard to sound good, right? Mm-hmm. This guy sang this song on Last Call with Carson Daly. Do you remember he, he did that? Yeah. There were some amazing, amazing artists. I loved on it that. when they changed that format of that show. Oh, dude. It they, was incredible. Yeah, there was were two people I saw on there where I was like, oh my God, Maroon 5, their first performance mm-hmm. might have been on that show or oh, something. Wow. And Adam Levine, 
sang I think Harder to Breathe, and then he took the guitar at the end and soloed. Like, he was just singing, then he soloed, and I was like, oh, damn, okay, this is real. And then this guy, David Ford, sang this really intimate, like, the most beautiful thing, and then people in the audience were crying, and and the mics were picking it up. I think the mics were picking it up at one point. And this girl was just, like, sobbing, and it was so, it was a beautiful song. It was all about, like, missing people from, from the road. But I feel like there were a lot of guys like him during that time period that, just like you said, there are so many talented people, but he I don't yeah. know if he got it as popular as those other guys. Yeah, so not everyone can be a John Mayer, right? Right. But the but I think, yeah, it's interesting. Like if you were able to start at that time and kind of hang on, you know, and, and yeah. really build throughout those years. I mean, a lot of people weren't able to because right. it wasn't financially stable, you know. Right, right. everything was changing so Change It changed like crazy. So right? crazy. Yeah. So if you knew, if you were like, oh, wait a minute, I can figure out the internet thing, I can feel out, figure out email marketing or some kind of online marketing, then Instagram comes in and then you're really starting to figure it out. Uh, I think that's like incredible. And it's, it's you don't need to take over the world anymore. You just need to take over your yeah. people. And well, if you can capitalize on your, on your, core fans and mm-hmm. and whoever's around you and and you know make things available and and you know you have to have merch available at shows sure. and good interesting things and you have sure. to keep people interested in what you're doing well you have to provide way tons of value yes tons of value yeah. and then you you don't you don't always ask you give 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 then you ask yeah you know and, and that's you always like have thing. you always have the factor of like the fan feels as though they like you belong to them right you know it's not like this crazy thing that they can't reach it's like they can go to a show and talk to somebody right talk to the artist right after right the gig which is insane because which you can't do it yeah. well it used to not be that way at all <clears throat> right and people get pe- what do you mean well people want access now they want they want to peel it all back oh yeah. you know what i mean but like it's crazy that you not even that long ago how many years ago 10 it was all just about. It was. It was still mysterious. You guys were early at providing that, though. Well, it's nuts. You guys were nailed it. It's if crazy. You really look at all the trends that are happening now with music. Like you guys were. I mean, I remember all those videos with like the, the branded like. It's like probably the like oh, yeah. the sound from uh, that song you were just talking about. It um, was from one of our songs. Yeah. It was from, well, the song you're just talking about. Um, between the sheets it was like the little intro oh, yeah. had a little tv set it was like episode 300 whatever and you guys were peeling back the curtain and it had Super. the thing with the chains i remember yeah, the, yeah. i remember the chain sound oh and, yeah and mirage yeah yeah it's crazy right for for yeah for monty ri we were doing we were so dumb just like and goofing off the whole time while we we're making music so it was like we were passionate about it obviously but we we're also having fun while we we're doing it yeah and i think about like like what you said, Dan, like thinking about TikTok and stuff like that. Like if those videos are on TikTok, I mean, they wouldn't, they don't make any sense, the videos, but right. they're just goofy and but stupid. But neither do those. They, no, they, neither do <laughs> yeah. those. It probably would have done probably good on TikTok, TikTok, I'm imagining. You guys were also doing it or like Vine, if Vine was around back sure. then, because that's how, you know, like comedians like Chris D'Elia and yeah. sure, a lot yeah. of those guys, they got huge yeah. on those on those apps, those short little format video apps. Yeah, you were doing it before. Like now, there's like the fear of like internet permanence. Not that you guys were doing things that were terrible, but like <laughs> <laughs> they weren't horrible. Oh but God. they were things that you'd probably think twice about now. But mm-hmm. because like no one under we didn't know you didn't understand the internet. It was like brand new. No one did. And so right. the things that you were putting out there now, I think people are. There is usually like people who do really well are willing to like show this true authentic self and overshare and overshare. And you guys 
were doing that because you were a group of friends are having fun, but also there, the internet was so young that you weren't afraid of it. It was like, yeah, I'll put anything out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. And, and yet yeah, what's weird is that I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of switching, not switching topics, but kind of like even pushing that idea further. I'm trying to think like, there's not a lot of bands that do that right now. Still, I don't know, is it music? Because a lot of other people do it. But musicians, I feel like, don't do it as much. Like the just the short-form video thing? Peel back the curtain and just show more and share more. People do it, but we are all curating. Like, we're all programmed now to mm. curate. Like, my Instagram feed is not really reflective of what I feel like day to day. I'm a dark, depressed... No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we all... You know what I'm saying? And I think back then, like, yeah. we weren't programmed to curate. I mean, it's not video, but I feel like this is kind of doing it now. Like sure. a long form chat, just kind yes. of. Totally. No, that's true. Because no one, no one really sees that side of it. Like, right. I'm trying to think, like, just the day to day aspect of being Monty RI on the road. Yeah. Like, as a touring band, was it just you guys are out there having fun? Or was oh, no. there? Or it was, was all war, baby. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. know. I mean, a lot yeah. of bands are just, they have a good thing going. Yeah, no. And they go do their thing. Yeah. Or was there like, a, all right, we need to be serious about this. And then the fun happens later. No, it was, I mean, it was definitely fun. We had fun while we did it. But it, yeah. was, it was very like we were on a mission, especially in 2004, three, four, five, and, and six. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, no, no, no. This is like, we have to, we have to. It's us against the world is essentially what it was. Yeah. Um, even if that wasn't the reality, it was how we kind of approached things because I also felt like I don't maybe people were like <coughs> I don't know if people were talking shit. I don't think so. But I'm like trying to think why talking we, shit about you guys? Yeah, but I'm just trying to think like why we would have that mentality. Like maybe chip we were on just, your shoulder? Mm, no, it's just we were just hungry. And mm. I'm trying to think like was it just because we had a real adversity or did we just kind of create this thing where we felt like we maybe we just wanted to win. That's probably yeah. what it was. I'm just trying to remember what it was like, but um, well, it was appropriate. I mean, I know you pretty well. For you to not, like, for you to not finish school, mm. I bet that had for at least for you, you would have been like, "Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm doing this because it's gonna work." Yeah, like, you don't just. You're not a person who doesn't finish a thing, let alone right school. Yeah, you still, don't want the world to know that you didn't finish. school? I still got to finish school. No, I want to finish it for my dad. Yeah, no, I don't care. The world can know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish school either. Yeah. And I would like to finish, I finish school. at some point. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Dan. Cool. cool. Sweet. Cool. <laughs> no, but you're 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 and right. You guys are both playing music. No, no, no. You're you're totally right though. I mean, yeah. I I was just saying, like, you're not someone who would do that. Like like you were No, and you're right. And you know what's okay, so I think now I'm starting to remember a this. Touchy topic. Right? Here we go. I think the it's because this is great. I think it's because, like most musicians, your parents, your friends, your family don't think it's a good idea to do it because it's not. It's a horrible idea. It's a horrible, horrible idea. And I I think I was just like, well, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I think that's where it came from now that you bring that up. Yeah. Um, Were your parents not into it? Not into it? Oh, my God. My dad was in the military. My brother was in the military. My grandfather was in the military. My uncle. My yeah. mom, I'm pretty sure my, maybe my mom was too, you know, she's inspector, federal meatball <laughs> investigator. <laughs> maybe my mom was in the military. There's your title. There it is. Oh, there, yeah. But yeah, Remember I mean, that. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were definitely like when we were on Warp Tour, dude. It was like, it was like, we're out there every morning. I don't know if you're familiar with that culture at all, but like, no, not really. Not really. It was in the, in the earlier days of it. People were, um, 
you know, when, when the line was happening, people were lining up to get into Warp Tour. Tons of bands started in the early 2000s going out to the line and selling CDs right. with CD players, having people listen to them, and pretty much begging for money. You know, okay. before they even stepped into the venue, which is a sick idea yeah. because you take you essentially take their money in the beginning. It's yeah. like kind of wrong, but it's it's it a, a good tactic that a lot people of bands know use. what they're there for. Though they you're, know what you're they're at there a musical for. F- musical festival. You're at a music festival for sure, and yeah, why not? Yeah, know. and it worked for a lot of bands, and we. I th- I, uh, yeah, I think we did that a lot in those first couple of years because we were trying to get our numbers up. We had just put out some music. So what time is it? It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon you're out in the line selling CDs before, no, well before the drive? 10 a.m. Wow. Oh, wow. It was insane. So what was crazy was the driving, no sleep, straight into the day, who's handling, getting the water, who's setting up the tent, tent setting up merch, who's going to go out and sell CDs. You know, it was like a whole thing. And like we did that in, in the 2003, four and five, it was all about like, we need to put our stuff out there and we need to get our numbers up so that we can show to labels, hey, this is what we're doing. So in 2004, was it 2005? We sold, uh, 2005, we sold our EP that summer. I think we sold like five or 6,000 copies in like three weeks, four weeks. I bet that got, you know, if you're, if you're having people listen to your music before the festival even starts that's how you attract people to your stage for sure and that that was another thing too we would hand out flyers with the cd Mm -hmm. with our logo and our picture on it and it would say ernie ball stage whatever you know five o'clock or whatever and people would show up so it was like we serious hustle oh it was insane and it was dude it was exhausting everyone was beat but when you're 20 you can only do that when you're 20 yeah would you leave for the trip with all those flyers and all that stuff or would you have to restock I think we would restock here and there, but I don't remember because if you're going on warp tour, you're pretty much, you know. Did you have any help when you were out there, or was it only? Yeah, was it no. only? Okay, so yeah, we had like some really amazing people, like okay. friends of ours, come out and help. That's awesome. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, Nick Furconis was one of our buddies. Our buddy John Berard, like all these, like just guys. Kurt, he went Kurt, Kurt uh, Mike's brother. Yeah, Mike played bass in the band. So there was a lot of like just amazing people that would. Pete Stickney that would dedicate their time to our cause, but it was also fun for them, yeah. you know, and we would all work hard to yeah. kind of, well, that feeling that like you're doing something with your friends and you're, and you're trying to like, you know, you're investing your time and your energy into something, your friends that you believe in and stuff. Oh, for sure. And it's a totally, it was, it's so funny because like with the 30 seconds of our stuff, like jumping into that world, it's a completely different beast because mm. it's also someone else's thing. Mm. And then you're like, it's not the same feel. You get, you get enjoyment, but in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. Because going back to the 20 year old with the guy, with the rest of the guys in the band and all that stuff, like I can't feel that now. It's right. not the same thing, obviously. Well, yeah, you know? and you wouldn't, it, like, it's almost, you leave that there. Yes, yeah. You, you totally leave it, you yeah. did that, and now it's a whole different thing. For sure. Um, when did you guys, you guys got signed to Stolen Transmission? Mm-hmm. When did that happen? So, yeah, Stolen Transmission was an imprint under Island um, that was started by Rob Stevenson, who was, like, the head of A&R there at the time. Okay. So he signed Fallout, Fallout Boy and, and The Killers. That's right, because all, all of this was happening around all that, all yeah. that different type was, of music. Exactly. It was all 2006, 2007, yeah, yeah. like during that time. So we got signed in March of 2006, I think. Okay. And um, now didn't they, yeah. I thought, I thought Soul and Transmission got bought by, De- or they got bought by Island or. So the, so the, essentially the A&R guy, um, this happens a lot in, in yeah. music, right? So like the A&R guy at the label, like most of the time you need to have 
you need to have clout, you need to have success. So Rob at the time had had a couple of successful projects and I think he was like, I want to start my own imprint under Island Def Jam. Oh, okay. And at the time, Island Def Jam was merged as, as one thing. Okay. Now it's it's split up. But at the time they were together and Rob was just like, yeah, I want my own thing. I want to sign young bands and work with, with bands. And Rob was incredible. He was like an amazing mentor, an amazing uh, leader, I think. You yeah. know, it, it eventually didn't really work out, but he, I really liked to like working with him and that yeah. was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's a lot, you know, a lot of experiences, you know, with music, it's kind of like things come and go. Sure. The trends come and go. So like those things kind of happen, but it's nice when, when a relationship really works out oh, yeah. in, in a situation like that, because I, you know, you hear stories all the time about how it goes sour and, oh, like, yeah. and how people are, you know, burnt bridges are burned and all that stuff. And it's nice when it kind of goes well. Yeah. He was, he was awesome too, because at the, the end of the label, he was basically like, look, I'm, uh, I think he, I think he got let go from Island Def Jam for, you know, there's a bajillion reasons Whatever, why yeah. anyone can get let go from a label, yeah. but he, well, the he music was, industry was, was drastically changing around that time. Anyway, oh, it's crazy. It probably had already changed drastically or whatever, but. especially in that building. It was way different. Yeah. Um, but he was like, I'm going somewhere else. I, I, I know I'll be somewhere somewhere. So he was like, you guys should try to, you know, figure that out. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm not going to tell you where, because that's not cool. But if you can figure your situation out, I would always like love to have you. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, okay. What was the figuring out of the situation? Well, basically we, you know, it, it's it's kind of a, you know, common thing, I guess. I don't know if I don't know if it's as common, but es- uh, essentially he, the label since he was running the label and he got let go, um the label, all the artists on the label were at the mercy of the parent company. Okay, so, so th- this yeah. is, I think, what I was thinking about, like when I when I mentioned that they, I thought they got bought. Or oh, something. got it. Okay, so yeah. it was it was the opposite thing that happened. Someone from the main label wanted to have a sub label and do his own thing, mm-hmm. and then this is, and then that's when things kind of yeah, for okay. sure. Because because at the at the end of the day, I don't think Rob could take he can't take the label with him. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the parent company, that's the way I understood it. Anyways, the parent company owned it obviously you know um they were providing the funding for it so right um so they were basically like yeah here's all these bands you know and and they they dropped a handful of them and they they basically only could drop the bands or upstream them to the parent company okay so they upstreamed us an inner party system which is a great band from uh pennsylvania um and yeah, they they pushed us up to the parent company, and we had to make a record. Yeah, you know, we couldn't get out of our contract. Okay, we tried, but we couldn't. So. Yeah. Now, why? What was the main reason that you guys couldn't get out of it? Is it just because they were like, "No, we we want you guys on, and like having you elsewhere would be not be in our best interest," or was it yeah. just was it just like a paperwork like? red tape kind of thing yeah i it's it's funny because this stuff happens like all the time in the music industry Uh, yeah yeah. it's and and everyone's story is kind of a little bit different Mm -hmm. but i i can i keep saying this like this is the way i understand it because right who knows the reality of it right yeah because what the band thinks could be a far different thing than what is happening upstairs you know and i've asked questions but you only get so far with that right basically it was yeah it was like um the the way I see it again, this is I don't think this is reality necessarily, but it was like, oh, Rob doesn't work here anymore. 
And if we drop this band who is sold, I think at the time we sold like 30,000 copies of our record, maybe there's some promise. They're probably, they're probably thinking, which I understand as a business, you're like, maybe if we upstream them, we might, if they're doing okay on touring, maybe we can get a piece of touring. Maybe we can restructure the deal. Right. You know, it makes sense, but it was either drop the band and we would potentially go with wherever Rob was going Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, upstream the band and have them make a record and do the whole thing and hang on to them for them and hang on to them. Yeah. So the only reason in my, in, in my dumb, dumb head, <laughs> my the dumb, only, dumb head, <laughs> my dumb, dumb head. The only reason why you would do that is if you really don't want the band to go with the other guy. Yeah. Or, I mean, that know. makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It's unfortunate though. You know? It is unfortunate. Do you think that like held you guys back yeah. in, in the end? Well, when you don't have a champion in the building, it's really hard. Okay. But I will say, though, when we when we got upstream to Island Def Jam, there were two people that took our project over. One was David Massey and one was Evan Lipschitz, who, who were, they were both like, uh, you know, we, we weren't their band, yeah. you know, but, but they took us on and they couldn't have been more awesome through the process of making an album. And they're very encouraging and gave us like really good feedback and direction. So yeah. I will like for, for as far as that, and I still talk to Evan today. He's yeah. like, a, he's still like a buddy of mine and I, I, I love him. So it's That's like, awesome. it's cool that like we made relationships during that time. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal for them either. I'm sure. Yeah. It was one more band on their plate. Right. It's, you know, it's like, and they're like, we, we, this isn't ours. Right. Know? So it's, yeah, um, it just kind of falls in their lap. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but they were, they were awesome. So, I mean, it was still, it was a great learning experience, but it was definitely, it was hard during that time for sure. Yeah. You know, it was like, what are we making this record for? Right. Why are we doing this? Right. You know, yeah, it's all kind of like up in the air. Yeah. You don't know, you know, to, to bounce around a little bit. Cause I always remember talking to like Dan about this is, um, kind of going back to your family mm. and having it be like a military thing and having music not be like the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Dan always mentioned that you would get up at like seven in the morning and treat music as though it was like your, oh, your, Brooklyn. your day-to-day, oh, yeah. your day-to-day gig. That was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> is <Brutal>. that... <laughs> the reason it was the worst is because it would be like 11 o'clock at the night before... And me and all my deadbeat friends and Steve would be out somewhere, and then he'd go home. He would go home because it like, was like he tr- he we treated it like oh we don't have jobs we can wake up at eleven and yeah. go to the diner, and I would wake up and Steve would be like already outside cup of coffee on his like first coffee break, three songs deep yeah yeah just <laughs> writing terrible songs getting my getting my start you know what was that like what's what is what started that routine or when did that routine start? Was that kind of always there? Fear of being a loser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All like, right. Like for real, like, I, you know, it's funny because when Montiara, I stopped, um, and I moved to New York, um, I was, you moved there that shortly after Mon- when, what year did Montiara, I stop? Yeah. So in, we put out a record in 2000, late 2009 in like September or October. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of going back and forth before the record came out to, to New York, to the label. Right. To just like be in the building and show my face and like yep. get people. This stoked. is like a time machine to phone conversations. With it, you. It's, it's, it's great. It's hard to remember everything and like why things happen. But yeah, I was going back and forth <clears throat> to New York. I was spending a lot of time with, with, um, uh, a couple of friends of mine who eventually became my manager. Um, and wife. 
and my wife. Um, yeah, don't forget about that. People, don't forget about that. Very important. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, Oops. Yeah, but but I so yeah September two thousand nine October something like that, and then we went on tour, dude, and then literally January February I, I started going to New York, yeah, and started going more frequently, and then I remember just you know starting up the train to like refocused and, re, and refocus and reposition myself now as a songwriter which is really hard when three months earlier you're you know talking about to people about your album coming out and being an artist and yeah i'm yeah. signed to island def jam and now it's now you have to rewire your brain but i think at that point so those two worlds for you were two very different worlds like yeah. you you had to choose one or the other yeah okay yeah um what do you you, you mean either as a songwriter or, or you know or you have your own project. No, and that's like the thing that bummed me out so much like looking back like that was like a stupid not even it wasn't a mistake it was just a dumb way to look at it. Like Was it just like you feel like you shouldn't have made that rule for yourself? Or? Yeah, it was just stupid. It was like in fact I should have used that to my advantage if I was trying to get in the room with people. Okay. You know, I could have maybe marketed like, it here's a little my bit thing. better. Yeah, yeah, I'm signed to Island, you know. I did that for a little while for the songwriting stuff, but I think I could have pushed it a little bit harder. I didn't embrace it as much as I should because I think I was done being in the band. Okay. You know, so it was like, I need to abandon this to now focus on this, which I don't know if it was, I don't know if that's like the right move necessarily yeah maybe you know? from a business sense but i think creatively you had to yeah maybe you're right you had, i mean well because i could i could imagine yeah. if you're moving to new york and, and you're writing songs you want to get in, a, in the room with other songwriters and and have opportunities to be on other people's albums and stuff maybe get a publishing deal yes or, or something like that and if you're splitting your time you know getting to the front of the line at 10 a.m to to sell your your cd at warp tour which mm -hmm. is not what was happening at that point but you know right that's a lot of energy to put in two different places yeah for sure so and I mean, it seems like the right move yeah and, and i i think also to to dan's point about the creative side of it it's like I, I do think like i think i was a little afraid that people that i was trying to write pop songs with okay would be like yeah but you sing really high and play like fast loud like you know, you're the yeah. Rocky Four guy. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the metal guy. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's you know what I'm. I think that was because I'm thinking back to it. And I think that was like the reason why I did that. Okay. You know, um, now it's different. You know, because there's a nostalgia thing, and now there's like a, you know, a, a revitalization of all that that scene of music for the for the reunion stuff. No, no. I just mean like I mean like if you're looking at Warp Tour and emo music. Oh, I see. What you're into saying. pop pop music and pop yeah. culture, it's it's almost like embrace your past now. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. So far past it, but at the time, I remember being like, I'm trying to write like Rihanna songs. <laughs> like, I don't know if being in saying I'm active in this band is going to help me do that it's also like yeah. a personal identity thing yeah like for me when it was like guy in college band in the new york it's like i don't want to be the acoustic guy and then i wasn't you know with the musical and it's like it gets messy and then when all that went away i think that you need to if you want to keep writing and putting out good work you can't have that at least i can't i imagine you can't that level of confusion like if you're like trying to write with someone this day, but then you're like, hey guys, we should practice together and do some shows. Like that would be so. Well, I do like so I do like the idea of like kind of just rolling with it. With you know, like you moved to New York, or when you got the the Broadway thing, you know, you kind of rolled into that life, and then 
were trying to do like auditions for commercials and sure. stuff like that, which was a completely different thing, which I think is cool to kind of roll into that with songwriting. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of, it seems like kind of the same thing and, and just going in that direction, you're like, all right, I'm going to stay present in this. I did that doing this now. Yeah. Know? And there were, there were a few people that I met early on that were like very helpful to be like, you know, you should do this. You should try doing, you should go out to this event at night. You should go meet this person. You should yeah. go do that. There was n- never a no. I was like, right. yeah, yep, yeah, great. Let's doing do it. That. Let's do it. Yeah. And and to this day, I actually, there's a handful of people to this day that I still are very important in my, my career. Mm-hmm. And I lean on them for advice. And one being Becca Tishker, who manages Julia Michaels, mm-hmm. and another being Peter Lloyd, who works at Disney Music Publishing. They actually signed me to my first publishing deal. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy, Chris Foytel, who works at Epitaph, who was working at Atlantic at the time. I mean, he was my first like label meeting that I had. And all these people are still active in my life. And I consider them good friends. And they they encouraged me to, like you were saying, like you kind of encouraging me to just kind of... Uh, to do all the stuff I needed to do. And I kind of just went with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's kind of the musician's way of, uh, or the songwriter's way of diversifying themselves. Mm. Like you have different musicians, like I'll use myself as an example, like as a drummer, you can't, you can't really just do one thing mm-hmm. or I mean, if you get hooked up with a big group or whatever, then sure that can right. work for you. But, um, you have to be able to do, different things and networking and creating those relationships and doing that and just saying yes to things. That's kind of like that in a way, you know, yeah, the diversification the, of your, of, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to talk to this person because this person can help me and this person, this person can help me. Yeah. You know, whatever. And adaptability is like the key <clears throat> thing. I think yeah. when trying to survive in music in general, especially if I think if you're a musician or like a hired player, you need to be, you need to adapt. I mean, we're talking about a little bit more specific on the, on the playing side, but, um, rather than like the networking side, but yeah, um, I think that's well, just, just even the belief that you can go into a room and talk to somebody that's like, not necessarily even in the musical field. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah and be able sure. and be able to like have a conversation with them about, you know, whether it's like video or, or anything content related or whatever, and be able to just stand there and have some ideas and, and have something to offer. You know? Yeah. I think that's like, uh, I think as a person in music, I guess in entertainment in general, or just in the world, you have to be curious. You have to learn, you have to be able to, you know, it's all part of that adapting and consuming. And I guess just staying curious about things or being, or yeah, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to the adapting thing. Cause I feel like that's a big part of what I do now. Yeah. is just being able to adapt in weird situations musically and yeah. socially. <laughs> You was know. the uh was your move to LA like just kind of the natural next step after being in New York? Yeah. I mean New York was like creatively dying, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's, maybe that's too drastic. Just for was, you or just in general, you think? I think uh, I mean everyone moved out, I mean, or okay. a lot of people moved out as far as the songwriting game is concerned. Um It's interesting you say that cuz I was never like in that same thing obviously, yeah, but yeah. It felt kind of from a distance that New York was was becoming the not cool place to be. Well, our, a lot of artists left too. Mm-hmm. They went to Nashville and L.A. Mm-hmm. It, L.A. was still L.A. I mean, at the time too, Katy Perry was huge. Yep, and and she was doing everything in L.A. with L.A. writers and producers. Right, all the big guys were out in L.A. Yeah, so a lot of people started moving out there, and then New York also became 
as it always is, way too expensive for creatives. Yeah. And then Nashville started it's popping too up. too fast. Right you can't, you can't like take, grab a hold to anything. It's just like, everything's, I don't know. It's just, I, I talked to Dan about this. I, that's one of the reasons why I never moved there because I never felt like Safe. I would ever be comfortable there. Yeah. I think that's what New York is there for though. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And like, and yeah. Just like a fast pace, um, education and growth really it's just, it's just hard to grow with it that's what i always get yeah. frustrated and it's like i have a lot of friends who are obviously still there and i lived there for a long time but i remember getting to a point where it's like how am i gonna like what is the next phase of my life gonna look like here yeah. what's the next phase of my life and that's why yeah. i feel like everyone around i mean similar time that you left so many of my friends moved to la in fact the one i've only played in la one time mm-hmm. i think i told you this story i played a hotel cafe we did yeah. a fly date me mark and adam really pumped always want to go to hotel cafe and I get there, and I'm like, wow, this looks a lot like Rockwood. And I go, and I'm like getting ready to go on, and I, I go up on stage, I look out, every single person in the club like lived in New York or in Brooklyn. Like it was just like playing Rockwood. I was like, this is bizarre that I flew all the way here to play Rockwood yeah. like a few years later. And then finish my set, good night, everybody. I go in the green room. And it's like my neighbor from down the street in parks. I'm like, Casey Shea, what are you doing here? He's like, Oh, I live here now. I'm playing. Insane. Yeah, everyone's there. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's still like a Brooklyn music thing obviously they'll always but, yeah. they're always but not for what yeah. you do no it's different i mean there's guys there's people still out there i mean the, the thing is if you're an artist and you roll through new york and you want to do sessions like and you're a songwriter in new york i mean there's you know you're one of few which is can be a good thing yeah it definitely seems like there's opportunities it's not like all dried up or no whatever. no no it's it's just la is there's i couldn't believe when i moved to la the 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 creative atmosphere was completely different really yeah it was just like way more opportunities um again just my experience but way more opportunities way more artists out there that you know are in town that are working right you know what i mean so did you go there for a specific opportunity uh no so the woman that i had mentioned earlier becca tishker she um she she basically signed me to my publishing deal in 2011 uh, I think 11. And she was, she was like, look, I'm going to sign you here. I think this is a good start for you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to leave soon. And I'm going to Los Angeles to head up prescription songs, which is Dr. Luke's publishing company. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's like, I'm going to call you soon and let you know what the vibe is. And cause she was in New York. Right. So she was like, I'm going to let you know what the vibe is and let you know, like how I'm doing. And, um, yeah, she called me like a few months later and she's like, you have, you're coming out to LA now, like mm. leave, leave New York and yeah, come out. It's like, do it. So I booked a writing trip to LA for 10 days and just found an apartment and put a deposit and down. never went back. No, pretty much. Yeah. It's crazy. I feel guilty that we're paying New York like this old boarded up ghost town. <laughs> no, New York is amazing. And, no, but yeah. not but, truthfully guilty. I also separately want to like exaggerate the joke and just... <laughs> It's yeah, like, no one lives there anymore. Yeah, that place—it's it's definitely a ghost. Town. Most of the buildings are boarded up. Yeah, you yeah. can't get any food. It's no, terrible. you can't. It's so dark, and you can—if you're gonna get food, you can only get it like you know before three p.m. Yeah, man, it yeah. used to be a great place. Yeah, they closed really Ooh, early, yeah. early now. Damn, old New York, man. Oh, that's a bummer. So LA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. sunny LA. Sunny yeah. LA. Yeah, yeah. It's great, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. man. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, New York was a great time because it was like, yeah, I got my first publishing deal there. I kind of had figured out, you know, how to maneuver 
into the songwriting thing. And for me, that yeah. was super important at the time. I'm sure Dan remembers, like, I remember getting anxiety about, you know, if I don't get a pub publishing deal, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go crazy because I didn't feel legitimate as right. a songwriter. Yeah. Even though I had been signed to a major label and put out two records, I didn't, I don't know, part How of me. How long was it before it happened? Like a year and a half or two? It was two so, years? 2010, uh, probably a year. It was not long. A year, a year and a half. No, no, a year and a half, I think. I think yeah. that's right. I think that's right. But yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah. then going out there, kind of feeling that same way when you were back here, almost like the chip on the shoulder. You want to get up early and you're going to grind it out. You're going to make music work no matter what. Yeah, that was the... So there's like really, it's kind of like no failure is no option. Yeah, no, know, no, for sure. Regardless of where you're going to go. For sure. And, and yeah, I, I was getting, oh, I was remembering a story earlier and I totally derailed from it, but I think one of the things that kind of gave me that vibe was <clears throat> in 2010 when I was in New York, when I first left, I went to LA uh, for a writing trip in August, just as a little visit, a little break from New York, just to come out. My manager was like, you should probably go out to LA just for like a week. Yeah. And I remember, I feel like I was there and one of my friends called me and he was like, yo man, we just came back from our boy's like wedding. Like I know you couldn't make it, but it was really fun. And he's like, I don't know, man, I feel like I needed to call you. Like so-and-so was saying like, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Like he's not gonna, he's, he's not gonna, not that he's not gonna do it, but like, I forgot what the, the whole thing was, but I remember hearing it and being like, hmm, okay, yep, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, man. And I was like super motivated after yeah. that. It really lit a fire under my ass because I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I have to do it. And what the crazy thing is, dude, this is 10 years ago, almost. Jesus. Really? Almost 10 years ago, this writing trip to LA, and I wrote a song during that trip that became one of my most successful songs to date, if really? not my most successful. Really? Which is like insane. Which song? It was is a song called My Demons by this band Starset. So it was like crazy because I and I don't I'm not saying that conversation necessarily like, you know, helped me write the song, but it, yeah. it definitely It fueled that fire to write uh, that even song. more. I'm especially For when you sure. hear like a friend your friend or someone you know yeah. is like saying that kind of stuff, you're like, Oh dude. Isn't it crazy how that happens from for like so many levels of musicianship? It's like if someone's talking to somebody about music and they're not a musician they they work a regular job or whatever yep they're always going to have that it's like i don't know what they're doing of course they're not they're not doing the the everyday cookie cutter life that that you're supposed to do i know? almost feel like we all have those thoughts about someone who's trying to do something ambitious yes you, you know it, i mean it's a very right? have you guys felt that way before i'm sure you of have of course yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. all we all feel that way sometimes it's out of legitimate concern which i understand but sometimes it's also like i don't know nah. Well, I also yeah, I think most of it, I think most of it is out of je jealousy because that is such a huge wall to break through. Like the moment you start being proud of friends and people around you for their successes, rather than saying, "Oh man, they got that!" Like now I need to like do the 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 moment you can do that and turn that corner while still being driven and not like sure. whatever. That's a that's a big hurdle to get over. Oh yeah, and I think it's like an important hurdle to get over because as soon as you do that, you stop comparing yourself to other people. You just do your thing, put your head down and, and, 
and just do your thing. Compare and despair, right? That's like the, yeah. that like phrase. It's like the worst thing. The worst thing yeah. you can do is look at some, what someone else has and, and get jealous. I mean, we all do things like that. It happens all the time. But it's, it's, it, it is good, like you're saying, to like break through that and get, and get on the other side of it. Yeah. My jealousy is always with, with guts. Like if someone has more, like, and I feel like a lot of people have a similar <clears throat> thing where it's like you're not jealous of the thing. Oh, interesting, yeah. You're jealous of yeah. the, the guts it took. Mm. Yeah. And so when people are like, I don't know, it's kind of like, I don't know, because I've, I've done the math on paper and like yeah, yeah, things no. like this aren't safe. I get that. And that's, right. So it's, it's not, yeah, that's, that's where it happens for me. And that's like, yeah, I feel I like that's sure. human nature. Yeah. You yeah. know, we want, we want to be safe. We want to survive. Totally. And Our lizard brain. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that definitely applies to like, you know, jumps off the cliff of what's he doing yeah it's like what is going on over there i'm worried about him very dangerous now i like that what do you mean like if any like if anyone were to say that to me or hint at that they'd be out of their goddamn mind i love that it makes me so happy no because that's a good like tell like i'm doing it i'm doing something right yeah and also sometimes like you don't you know uh you you might not have people in your life at a certain point who will say those things to you or just people that kind of realize that they shouldn't say that kind of stuff yeah well it keeps you on your toes it does that's what i'm saying like i could i kind of i feel it's funny because i feel like i need a little bit of that right now in my life where like the 20s is the golden age of people saying it like it is (laughs) it was out a little later (laughs) drinking a little bit more and people just say something and now we're all just like hey good to see you yeah (laughs) yeah no dude totally 100 percent. yeah we could all yell at each other yeah yeah yeah. What are you guys doing? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> I almost just screamed at the top of my lungs. But. <laughs> Wake the baby. Um, are you, so I guess now that you're in LA, the thing that everyone wants to talk about here is uh, what the bread no, is not as good Parma. as East Coast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. I want to talk about Parma. Did not see that coming. I'm so excited. That Why? We're talk about Parma. What, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> Like, have you tasted Parma? Yeah, it's the best. There's, there is no other prosciutto. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. But do you have, like, yeah, prosciutto you have some kind the, of partnership with them or yeah, something? Prosciutto de Parma, trademark now. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's on your your custom in ears. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Um, I'm concerned about that, Steve Aiello. No, no you know what? This is this is a great Steve. I, I feel like this is a great. Um, this. <laughs> I'm now. Listen, you're in Providence. You can speak openly about the Palma. Okay. Openly. Okay. So you're here, in a safe place. Here it goes. I've loved prosciutto de Parma since mm. I was young. Mm. Okay. How young were you talking? I mean, honestly, I want. I want to. No, realistically, breast milk, soggy know. carrots, Parma. Parma. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, pretty much. No, I mean, realistically, let's say, let's say thirteen. Yeah. Okay. That's a. That's that's a good. That's a good age. No, but dude, this. It's so funny. About salt at thirteen. I was bar mitzvah at thirteen. You were getting into Parma, so we were both becoming the adult men of our faith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That. That's a good comparison. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good comparison. Bar mitzvah. I like that. There you go, kid. You're a man now. (laughs) Here's a leg of (laughs) Parma. My dad's like, I want to show you something. I want to tell, I want to tell you about. Well, you this. can't eat the shaved pieces. They give you the whole thing, the whole leg, and you got to figure it and out. You have to figure it yeah. out. You got to figure, and you got to no, finish it in a month. <laughs> you got to finish in a month, or else you're not a man. Uh, so you're 13, devouring Parma. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I've always loved prosciutto. Um, 
and uh, my mom used to buy it for all the holidays. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. It's, it's a classic example. Basically, I'm working with them now, kind of for you fun. Work. You're working with them. Yeah, for fun. Like they're, 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 we're, we're washing each other's hands. That's, That's a good way to put right. it. Yeah. So, so we're doing a couple of partnership things and we've done a couple of, of events together, which okay. is nice. And they actually just threw, threw me a nice party with some friends in Los well, that's Angeles. That's some adaptability right there. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, this is an example in literally just talking about and documenting what you're passionate about yeah. and things just happening. Yeah. And this was never really a, I think kind of people sometimes like it is, it is hilarious. Don't get me wrong no, about it's like how much it. I love it. But I, I, I genuinely, it was like every time I would come home for Christmas, my mom would have two pounds in the fridge. So I would yeah. put it on Instagram and be like, this is completely ridiculous, right. but I'm diving in and it's going to be delicious. And then they just reached out one day. We just started like talking on Instagram and then they hit me up and we just started kind of, they were very sweet and very nice. And we just kind of started working together. And now I feel like, I don't want to say it officially, but unofficially, I feel like maybe am I the first musician to be sponsored by Prosciutto? I don't know, maybe. By, a, by a Prosciutto? I think, I, think so. I don't know. I, th- I, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I think, <laughs> I think first, and you should be the only yeah. like, on their website. I like that. They have an artist page. Yeah. But there's me. no S. It's just artist, <laughs> and wow. it's just a picture wow. of you wow. and your e- and your and your in yep. with a guitar, holding a leg. I yeah. love it with some bad copy like this guy rocks the hand. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Like, I love whatever's going on. The big I love idea this. was put, and then some junior person just put the page together. Yeah. It's just real bad. Yeah. I love this, but it's like, and it becomes the biggest thing on the internet. I'm super into this whole thing, and I want like. Here's the thing. I told people from all my friends from the beginning, this doesn't just work for me. This work, this is, this This goes, this is all of us. We, this goes to all my friends. And you know, the funny thing is I've actually been able to share this with my friends. For example, they threw me a party with me and 18 of my friends in LA and, and I had some close, awesome music people come and it was so fun. And they took care of me and the restaurant was called Labrera. Brera restaurant, Brera restaurant, and they were incredible. And uh, yeah, it's 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 just crazy, but it's it's fun. I like it. It's a very I great it. brand I think it's partnership great. because it's two things. You're authentically loving. You love the meat. It I, is, I love you it. Love prosciutto de parm. Yeah. It also, but also it is funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. Fun. So it's, it's like, hilarious. Right. It's this nice little window because there's so many people who like will be like, you know, it's they'll unorthodox. Always, they'll always bring up a thing and that's like their little branding thing, you know, and it's kind of like, it felt like they picked it. Yeah. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like that at all. No, this no. feels like 100% you. Like no. You found each other. Yeah. It, well, was, here's it was the thing. match made in heaven. It's the, it's, it's, there's a thing about manifesting here too. Cause I will say, I've been ta- saying this for years that I will be sponsored by them. I've been saying That's this for, for a few years now. And, and of course, when I tell Dan this, he's like, oh, you're going to make it happen. We got to do this. What are we doing to do this? How are we figuring this out? And, you know, so that's getting me amped up even that more. first email was like, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. It, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard. Oh, dude. It's, do you think it's they insane. had a meeting they were like, listen, <laughs> sales of prosciutto are down in the younger alternative market. But we need a face of ham. <laughs> Who speaks to you? Like they think it's just like a boardroom of like old. And then there's some guy. And there's some like young dude in the yeah. corner that brings up his phone. It's like, well, I got a guy. You might be crazy. It's like, don't you raise your hand in this meeting? Like, <laughs> it's like, but seriously, hear me out. It is amazing, dude. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I love it. I think it's great. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. I want to. I'm curious to see how far it goes. Um, you know, the, the the cool thing is too. I like the idea. This is this seems insane. By the I'm way, I'm curious what's too far. What I'm, <laughs> I can't, I can't what wait to hear far? what comes out of your mouth right now. I'm so excited. So, I'm so far. stoked, dude. Because here's the thing, with this prosciutto sponsorship. <laughs> all right, okay, that's it. I think we that's like it. no. Okay, keep going. <laughs> End of who, knows, who knows where this is gonna go? I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, oh God! I thought there was something. Else. There, yeah. there was something else. I yeah. kind of forgot it because it's so late. But uh, it is very late. I like the oh, I like the idea of um, of uh, me somehow you know contributing to the 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 guys who are raising the pigs out in Italy mm. and like doing the whole farm thing because there are yeah. issues out there with certain uh, you know farmer wage and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that maybe this is a a good you know gateway into that world and and maybe being some kind of activist or something because i know there's there's issues about you know farmers getting paid over there even with like cow farmers and all this other stuff so i don't know it's just cool it's a cool start and maybe there's a way for me to get involved more in like the food culture of italy and helping people who maybe i don't know it's like this thing that turned out as kind of like a little joke yeah will turn into this kind of a cool yeah (laughs) cool effort to create maybe some kind of uh awareness for that yeah and the other thing too like we talked about this for thanksgiving which i would mm. love to do at some point if they're interested in doing it but like creating like a small little like merch line with their logo oh yeah and then selling it and then raise the raising the proceeds would go to like maybe half would go to homeless something in italy half would go to homeless something in america yeah. which could be like a cool it's a great that logo would be too. sick it's yeah. like a, it's oh, a yeah. sick logo yeah it's, it's a really five really point logo. crown man yeah. come on get it together um, well, before it gets too late, let's talk a little bit about Mars. Yeah, dude. Um, so how that, that opportunity came up, you auditioned for it, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So who got you in, in there and, and, uh, when, when did that happen? It was like 2012 or something? 2013. 2013. Yeah, yeah. So I remember your first tour with them. I was actually in Ireland. Oh, crazy. When you were playing the radio one big weekend oh yeah in, yeah in Derry. oh yeah 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 and i was there i didn't get to see the show because we weren't there early enough but it was um just crazy to think that yeah. <laughs> like you know a band that i had listened to a lot like yeah years prior to that i was like what stevie is is doing what now that's so funny that you were there did we did i did you tell me that yeah i texted it just it the timing didn't line up but, okay um that's crazy yeah Pretty crazy. Damn. And so it's such as were you in the town? No. I was at I was at the festival. Oh wait, you wait, hold on a second. Wait, now I'm confused. Sorry. You were there. Mm-hmm. I was there. That's My wife crazy. is from Northern Ireland, so I was visiting. Right. It was May. Okay. It was May of two thousand thirteen. Dude, that was like my like third or fourth gig maybe with them. Yeah, I remember it was pretty early. Yeah, pretty early Whoa. on, and then we saw you guys later that year or something okay. at, uh, at Xfinity. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Great yeah, Woods yeah. for yeah, yeah. You know, maybe the Lincoln Park the tour. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, nice. that's what it was. Sick, hell yep. yeah. Um, yeah, so I moved to LA in uh, end of 2012, early 2013, and I was there for um, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a month, four weeks or something. And, um, like I said, I was trying to do everything to kind of get my network yeah. together and f- figure out who I knew that was there. And one night I went to, um, the recording studio in Culver city that Monty RI had done their last record Okay. at, because the producer or one of the producers of that album, Matt Squire was in the studio 
and he was um, recording this artist, Ivy Levon. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go visit Matt and just kind of see what's going on down there. It's been a while, so I might as well go see him. Mm-hmm. Might as well go see him. So uh, I went down there, but it was, it was bizarre because I remember, you know, anytime I was going out during that time and I was trying to network with people or, you know, I guess just show face, it was, it was I was kind of like concerned about my appearance or how people would perceive me. Interesting. You know, so I wouldn't do anything necessarily to change me, myself or my personality for sure not, but like more about my physical appearance, what I'm okay. going to wear and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. I was like, LA is the land of vanity. You know, I should probably just look halfway decent. So I remember like looking in the mirror and like, you know, Jess, does this look, to my wife, you know, does this look okay? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I went down to the studio and a couple of friends were there um, and Matt Squire was also there. And it just so happens that the guitarist at the time from 30 Seconds to Mars was working on this Ivy Levon project. So he walked in and a mutual buddy of ours introduced us. I think it was like the second time I had met him. And uh, yeah, he left, wasn't anything. And then the next day I got a phone call from our mutual friend. He was like, hey, you know, I know you met Tomo last night. You know, Mm -hmm. would you want to go in and rehearse with the guys or just try it or whatever yeah and i was like nah sure I, he was like do you play bass i'm like yeah they needed someone not to fill that position gotcha because their former um bassist had had left okay um so yeah so i imagine a ton of preparing oh yeah for that gig and like what was was that super stressful was that like you know just kind of you know what's what's that like I imagine, like, I don't know what what Jared or that band or anything is like, but I can imagine with that type of production and that type of level, it can be a little bit more stressful. Yeah, I mean, I I think because at the time I, you know, I had left New York. um, I was kind of deep into the songwriting thing, and that was my passion. And so for me, I didn't really want to do the band thing again. And I told my manager very specifically, unless, you know, I'm playing in front of 40,000 people, I'm getting this much money, I'm doing this only because I had made no money from being in my former band and, you know, you're grinding it out forever, like sleeping on floors, which was awesome. But it was just, I got to that age where I was like, I don't, I don't don't want to do that. Yeah, I did that, you know? So I had like a a new standard and I kind of put it out in the world, but I was like, I don't want to do this anymore unless it's like this. And so even going into rehearsals, I didn't necessarily want to do mm-hmm. the gig. Um, it's like the secret ingredient. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it was almost like to. Uh, don't get me wrong. I was like, oh, this could be cool, but it, it was. No, I know exactly what you mean. Though. It wasn't like oh, it wasn't like being in a songwriting session with Max Martin. That yeah. is where I, where I wanted yeah. to be. You know, it was just a different thing. Um, I had total, you weren't desperate for it. No, and I had total respect for the band and the guys. Mm-hmm. It was not. It was not about that. It was more just like my heart was in songwriting. Yeah. Um. So I think I I think that really helped me going in, because, uh, you know, it, I think it just changes your attitude. Yeah. You're just there to. I w- I also knew like what the gig was. It was like you're gonna come and play. Yeah. It's not like there's no rock star in this thing. You know, you're not a rock, you're not the rock star. You just come in and you're a part of this unit or you're, you're, you're adding value to this unit, you know? Yeah. Um, 
these guys are all the rock stars, you right. know? Um, I, I, I hate to use that term cause it's kind of the wrong term, but these guys are the band you're coming in to provide support. Yeah. You know, so a- almost, almost at a, like a crew level. Yeah. It was a musician crew guy. It was crazy because it became like this, ve- it, it was not really that. And it, it was challenging at times cause it was, you know, you're in the middle. Okay. In the, I remember I went and saw you at Jones beach and the band wasn't there. And the crew was all really busy, and you were just had a bus to yourself. And we, I was like, "This is amazing." The middle was like, "Yeah." At least from my perspective, I was like, "This is pretty." No, no, they were no, they were doing like meet and greets. Yeah. So they were working. They were working. The crew was working, and you were literally not to tie back eating prosciutto on the bus. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow, I really was. Oh my god! Yeah, it really was. See, it all it all makes sense. It's all one thing. But it's it yeah, it was crazy because in the beginning it was like. Uh, I was kind of on my own a lot. Okay, you know, like Dan said. I mean, and that was the reality in the beginning when I, when I started up with them. It was the beginning of the album cycle, so the guys are doing tons of press. You know, of course, I'm not involved with that. Right. And the crew is working all the time, mm-hmm. so I was just like trekking through Europe, eating bread, like w- roaming the streets of Europe, just like listening to music. You know, trying to create when I had time off and like just in, kind of enjoying the whole thing. What an interesting transition. It was nuts, dude. And it was it was crazy because from the time of rehearsals to going into the touring thing, it it, it was not a long time, but it felt like a long time because I rehearsed with them for a month before, you know, okay. I, I really knew what I was getting myself into. Was Did you guys like kind of click right away? Um, I don't I don't remember. I think. I think so. I mean, it was just me, uh, Shannon and Tomo at the time kind of playing together before Jared came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I kind of remember feeling like a, a little bit of a vibe, but you never know. And also at, at the time, you know, they're rehearsing other guys, you know, so, right. so you, you, you never know, right. You know, you could not be doing it the next day. Or exactly. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's exactly what, what it was. And mm-hmm. I knew that going in and it was, it was all good. I mean, it was crazy though. I mean, like I didn't have a car. You know, yeah. and I was taking the bus. I would walk a mile and take the bus into Hollywood for 45 minutes to get to rehearsals. Crazy. And some days I would show up and the crew was like, man, did no one tell you that rehearsals canceled today? Oh, and I was like, oh. But I think I won them over because I would bring a bagged lunch. And of course, being Italian, it's all greasy. <laughs> so they were like, did you bring a bagged lunch? Like, and I'm like... Like, yeah, where's yours? We're yeah, gonna trade. Dude, dude, I love that. We're LA gonna trade juice boxes. You're like in the mirror, getting all ready, yeah. worrying about this, and then you're just grabbing like the it's oil literally on the way out. That was literally what it's it was. The number one item that's sticking out on yeah. the way out the door. You grab it. Yeah, that's dude, perfect. that's so funny. But yeah, it was. It, I, it, I think maybe that it, it was funny because it, you know, it was it was a limitation. It was like kind of all I had. I couldn't go and get something fancy, and I was right. like, I'm gonna be in here for hours. I might as well take food. Did you have a base? <clears throat> no, I used all of their gear. <clears throat> Um, but but when I when I when I got ready for the rehearsals, I I think I did have a bass actually at my my place, but I practiced in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I did the whole thing. I didn't even know what their setup was, so I kind of had to imagine what the keyboard setup would be like. Yeah. So I learned all the notes as if they were samples on the keyboard, mm. and that's eventually that's what it was when I walked into the room. Thank God. Okay. So I kind of pre-planned. So you were like. Luckily, you were like ready to go. Yeah, it, was it wasn't really an issue. Um, but it was awesome because I remember the first day I went in there, it was like 
The crew guys couldn't have been sweeter. They were incredible. Yeah. I mean, the playback guy, Fred Carlton, was who's a good buddy of mine. Is He's one of the, first of all, he's like one of the smartest guys I know. And then second of all, one of the sweetest. And he like, um, he really helped me um, while I was there. Mm-hmm. Because it can be a little stressful. You don't know people's personalities at all. Right. And Freddie had been there for years. He was guitar tech for them. Yeah. Um, and he switched over to playback. And um, him and... Chris Legaspi and Ed Mendoza, who are like all just incredible, like A class, like techs and and touring guys, and uh, they really helped me through the whole thing. And when rehearsal was over on for day one, I looked at Freddie and I was like, "Hey man, can you set me up so that I can just keep running rehearsals while you guys are all gone?" Oh, that's cool. And he's like, he like he didn't want to do. He had a million other things going yeah. on. He was like, you know what, dude? Yeah, I'll I'll take care of you. So he set me up, and I stayed in the rehearsal space for another two hours <laughs> and practiced all my keyboard parts while no one was in there, just to make sure, like, okay, yeah, you know, I got to get this down. I mean, that's that's always gonna get you to the next level. Yeah, you know, that's how you get the gig. Yeah, man. Um, do you? How important was it to transition to songwriting with them and um, kind of developing that different side? of that relationship with those guys with the band yeah it was not even a thought in my mind because that's not what the job was right you know um i think that's kind of like again i think it goes back to like not i mean it's a little bit different than not being um aggressive about trying to get the the base position in the first place but it's the same thing with the creative side when i transitioned into kind of doing more um of the uh co-writing on, on the last record and, and your musical director now right yeah, yeah 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 so it's like so getting into both those positions uh just all natural you know what i mean mm-hmm. like no no preconceived thought or or force of it obviously at some point you're like oh this is could actually be kind of a reality this this could be kind of cool yeah you know and of course you're yeah i was super happy when it everything kind of came together but did they like approach you about that and no like- no i mean i remember um actually how it started was i was um i was in italy we were on tour and i had a friend in town and i said you know um i want to stay an extra day can i go with the guys to the next gig which i think was in like poland or something and um they were like yeah yeah you can go go with the go with jared and shannon and telmo so um yeah we were traveled together and i was basically just like hey you know if you're going to start working on new music at some point, like, uh, I feel like I could provide some value in, um, not A&R the project, but, you know, bring in some engineers that I think could be helpful. So it wasn't even yeah. about me, okay. at, you know, being a part of it. It was, I, cause I have so many talented friends in LA and I was like, I think this guy could be good for whatever you're going to create next. You know, yeah. I had a few guys in mind and I asked Jared, I, I was like, you know, is that something that you'd be interested in? He was like, you know, he's, he's, uh, very good at giving people like the ball in the lane, you know, yeah. he wants, he obviously wants to see results like anybody else, but he, he's very generous when it comes to that stuff. So, um, he was like, yeah, if you think you can, can do it, like, yeah, go for it. So I, I remember after, after that, I, uh, I, uh, we were sound checking at the gig and I went up to Tomo and I was like, you think you sure it's okay? Like, I don't really know jared that well you think it's okay if i do this and he was like dude you know don't don't put your tail between your legs like <laughs> do this if jared said do it you like just you can do this and i'm like okay cool 
like so i got the thumbs up like the you know i just wanted to make sure everyone was like yeah cool and i wasn't like overstepping i didn't want to overstep you know what i mean um but no everyone was super cool about it and um the weird thing is that kind of transitioned into me recording vocals his vocals for some projects here and there Mm -hmm. for like demo purposes for demo purposes but for also other songs that he was collaborating with people on interesting so it was weird because i think right after that oh i think to sing to no no no, like like jared was writing songs uh and he wanted to track his own vocals oh got it you were got it got it got it it. sorry i didn't explain that well yeah yeah so they you know um so that's kind of where it started like i started engineering okay for the guys a little bit here and there and um and then yeah do this because i don't want it to interfere with the thing oh yeah yeah for sure so go that kind of thing oh i'm sorry dude um, I just got nervous when my you mom is like my mom's blowing my phone up right now. I love that. I saw it said mom. It made yeah. me so happy. Yeah, I got to play to pursue. You got to you got to love the mom. Um, but yeah, and then um, I remember Jared um, was working on a song idea, and he was like, "I really love this chorus line because he had written this cool this cool vocal." And uh, he was like, "We have to write a song around this," mm. and it was, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so when someone says that or he, or he said we have to do something with this okay. it was you know and i was like okay well maybe i'll just put a little just do it a little something well no not not even just do it maybe i'll just throw some ideas around with them you know okay. and, and and take that step because that's you know you don't again you don't want to overstep you know what i mean creative process is like you know you guys know it's like super delicate you don't yeah. want to you don't want to but he kind of crept the door open a little bit for you. Yeah, he was just like, you know, like we should. This is cool. Like, I think this is rad. And I was like, I was like, oh, I love his I, his idea was amazing. I was like, dude, I think that's sick. Like, what if it, what if we did something kind of like this with it? Yeah. And um, and yeah, that was kind of the beginning of like us kind of collaborating on stuff. And then throughout that process, I kind of I was engineering a bunch of stuff, and then um, you know, doing adding some co-production to certain things, and mm-hmm. yeah, and ended up. Uh, after like three years of working on the record, ended up with you know co-writing uh, three songs on the album. It's awesome. Um, the last record, America. Um, so yeah, it, it was cool. We had a number one alternative single. We had two number one alternative singles. Um, one that I co-wrote, which was awesome. And yeah, it was just it, it's such a cool thing that it, it worked out. And I'm I'm super grateful for for him to, you know to open that door for me and yeah. and Shannon too. And Tomo, um, who isn't in the band anymore, but him too. I mean, all three of them were super awesome about it. And and working with Shannon was great too because we we got super personal and it was really nice to kind of, you know, um, collaborate with him. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Did they... Um, so, like, I imagine getting back into the writing process. Is that, like, kind of your your happy place? Do you, do you enjoy all the traveling Is or is that being in the studio and writing and collab being collaborative is that which one do you like more or yeah i mean yeah you know, everyone everyone's gonna say it's like the balance man you know like being on the road is so sick because i get, hate being on the road you know, no you don't like it perfect <laughs> don't there like you it. go done i'm there it is no, it's fine there, there it is <laughs> it's definite it's no fine. it is it is it's i'm right. definitely getting to, i think to that point now where it's like i want to invest more in songwriting yeah um just because i've been on the road for you know I don't know, five of the last seven years or four of the last seven yeah, years. Yeah, and, and these aren't short trips. No, you're gone for like a whole year, you yeah. know, a year at a time. Um, and it's also, it's great. I mean, it, it it's awesome. Um, but I think, 
Yeah, at this at this point, right, like where I'm at right now is just. I mean, I love going on tour. I love traveling, but and I love playing in front of people, especially the Thirty Seconds to Mars fans, because they're incredible and they're really stoked on the music and yeah. the show, and they just they're very enthusiastic and they're they're good people. So I love that. But I something about you know, um, creating music and creating something from nothing and hopefully having it affect the world in some way. Yeah. Um, it's just a nice thing. Is Jared's Met Gala head around? I haven't seen it. All right. I think someone snagged it. I just had to ask. I think um, someone, I think someone snagged it. How many, really? how many days when you're know. out and about on the road, are you actually writing though as well? Like if you're on a plane ride, you're opening a session. Not necessarily. Might be a podcast before a session. Really? Well, it depends on if I'm on tour and I'm like exhausted. Right, you're not getting shit done. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I mean, that's more your mom's like, house. No, for sure, your mom's house. I love your mom's house podcast, Joe Rogan Experience. You know the classics. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think if I'm because you know you're tired on the road, sure. Too, but I think the voice memo, you're yeah. just voice memoing all the time. Yeah. You know. Um, and to bring it full circle and kind of wrap it up. Yes, um, sir. What? Uh, what does the Monty Ride reunion mean to you? Is it like a big deal for you? Is it stressful? Is it, um, like, what is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. Cause I think it means a lot to a lot of people in Rhode Island. Yeah. Well, what I've, I, you know, and that's interesting cause I, I now I'm in a, a different, a little bit of a different headspace cause it's coming up and it's been a lot of work the last week. Mm-hmm. I'm slowly transitioning back to what I was, an, initially excited about which is you know this is a chance for me to get back together with like my buds and like play mm-hmm. music and this is kind of where it all began and it's not about me so that's like that's important i have to remember that it's not about me it's mm-hmm. not about my thing or how i mean it's, it's kind of not really about how i feel i guess in some ways some days it feels like that you know um but yeah i mean it's challenging for sure because you get thrown back into the same you know chemistry well because you're like you're back in the same chemistry but Mm -hmm. you're also doing something completely different than you've been doing the last 10 years it's like yeah you did it before but you're also now you're like front man lead singer guy again singing singing at the top of a range that one could sing at oh it's no as far as that goes it's it's like a totally different beast yeah i mean because 30 seconds is like you know i'm singing backup but i'm not singing the whole time you know that's high too though it's high but i remember being able to pick you out pretty well though. no it's high, it's it's definitely high but it's not it's it's way different than doing it for an entire set right singing lead right. that's like a different beast so yeah doing that uh that as far as the playing goes and the singing it's definitely super challenging because it's on 11 the entire time yeah. i guess it's a good thing but it's also like you can hear it in my voice i mean i've been singing all day yeah um been a trooper yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is great. But um yeah, it's 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 weird. You get thrown back into the same kind of kind of thing and it's crazy because I've I've been doing the Mars stuff pretty much just as long as I was doing the Monty stuff for. Wow, that's crazy. And I mean it's coming up. It's coming up to that, you know. That is crazy. And and for me it's it's a little bit hard to you know, reestablish those relationships in a different kind of way, especially mm-hmm. since, cause you know, I do this professionally, right. You know, but, at, but at the same time, you know, the, you, it's a delicate balance because right, like you're music director of Mars, but you're not music director of Monty R.I. No, 
<laughs> nope, nope, nope. I mean, nope. just being at that like snippet of one rehearsal, everybody's doing stuff. It, it seems like you guys are probably back to right where you were. You know, awesome. I love it. You know, yeah, it's it's the great vibe between you guys, but it's also it's also insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is not how anything would ever run ever. <laughs> Dude, and yeah, especially with me because I'm like a control freak, and it's just like you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's great, it's awesome. I mean, today was today we had our second and last rehearsal, and it was it was awesome. I you know I went in there with a ton of energy today, and I was like stoked and just you know. How, it's, go, how it's, you feel at the end of the end of the day of the rehearsal? I mean, it would be awesome if we had another week of rehearsal, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you know what this is just going to be fun. It's just like, let's yeah. just go up there and it's, it's not going to be perfect. Everybody. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a, yeah. so much fun. How do you feel about the show, Dan? How do you feel about playing Lupos? I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited too. And it doesn't feel like we're doing it. <laughs> it feels That's like kind of what all of our shows we're, feel like. <laughs> we're a placeholder for the real, what, what is about to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, Yes, I'm way more excited for their show than I am for our show. Yeah. And I guess I'm like, not that I'm not excited for our show. I'm just like so excited to see all my friends do their thing. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And it, it's more of like an excuse to be, to be there all day with something to do and hang. Yes. And then the show is going to be, a, I mean, us doing a 25 minute half hour set is like, that's, I don't have to think very much about yeah, that. Which it's is, just going to be, it's just going to be fun. Yeah. All so I'm just, I'm just, it's just going to be a fun hang for yeah. me. Are you excited to play Lupos? Jesse? I am very excited. Well, yeah. the, the first and only time I played Lupos was marching drums during your set ten years ago. I remember. So yeah, this will be the biggest venue I've ever played in Rhode Island. Yep. Which is I haven't really That's thought fun. about that. That's gonna at be all fun. It'll right be fun. Now. Well, we get, you get to do it with your buds. Oh yeah, no, it'll be great. That's exciting. I should be excited about that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's because it's just like the place in Richmond. It'll be great. Is it? What's the capacity at Lupos? Well. I don't know. You've played both those rooms. Yeah, well, it depends because if the mezzanine is open, it's like an extra 900 people, I think. Whoa. I could be wrong about that, but it's an extra ton of people. 900, 900 people on the mezzanine at Lupo's? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I See, I I haven't been to Lupo's in so long, I can't even picture I what, can't it, what it's like. No, I'm excited to I go and no, see it I don't remember it at all. Yeah, um, I don't remember either. Um, but this the, the cool thing about the show, and this is actually rad, um, all of our old friends from back in the day who used to kind of help us out they're coming and they're helping us for the show as well so we got you guys coming in uh, jesse's coming in on drums we have a lot of other drummer friends mike from sjc drums is coming um the another crazy comes out will have been there will have been there yes (laughs) and the other crazy thing is that uh jay rigby a good friend of mine who is a front of house guy who was front of house for 30 seconds to mars does 1975 he's coming out as a homie and doing front of house for us the ringer yep and zach matisau who's an old school friend of ours from cranston who is a professional ld um he did lights for 30 seconds he did lights for i mean foster the people i mean he's done lights for everybody he's like a good friend he's coming out and doing lights the lights are gonna look good it's gonna it's mm-hmm. gonna be sick the whole thing's gonna be gonna be awesome i mean we and we're super grateful for that i mean that that's like you know who who, who would take time out of their schedule to do this so it's total family vibes it's gonna be sick it's gonna be fun. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Stevie. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for staying up late with me. You're the man, dude. This. It's one something in the morning. All right. I'm gonna go. This is great. I love it. Hell yeah, dog. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this conversation with Stevie Aiello and Dan Mills. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. And remember, I'm going live tonight on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is Jay Humphrey Music. Facebook is just my name. You still have time to enter into the contest. By 7 p.m. tonight, you tip any amount to the Venmo or the PayPal. And that enters you in to win. I will do the drawing live. Hopefully I'll see you then. Have a great week. Stay safe, everybody. Bye. What a dangerous night to fall in love. Don't know why we still hide what we've become. Do you want to cross the Stranger, a lover in danger, the edge of life. The face of an angel, the heart of a ghost. Was it a dream? I, I am a man on fire. You, a violent desire.